You're listening to a Stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan Savage, of course, and this is Savage Lovecast, the once a week out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. Totally different stream of questions. People call in. Y'all know the drill at this point. Now, I'm not going to belabor this. It's the 21st of October. We're having an election soon. Vote, you motherfuckers, and vote for Barack Obama. That's all I'm going to say. Now we're going to get to your goddamn questions. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus a free gift with most purchases, please visit adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hey, Dan. I'm a 34-year-old married woman, and I have a question for you. I know it's been done to death on the podcast, but I just need some advice about anal sex. And here's the problem. Like, I'm good giving in game, willing to, you know, go the extra mile. My husband, you know... I think like most men really would love to do anal more often. Here's the problem. His cock is just hugely thick and really uncomfortable. And I've taken your advice of like start small, work up, you know, work up to it. And, um, you know, we have some butt toys that we've been playing with and that's fine. I actually really enjoy that when we do that. The problem is like he is so thick that it's one thing to have a thick butt toy there when we're screwing. It's another thing totally to have his thick cock in my ass and have it move around. It's like too much. It totally, we've done it a few times and probably once it's actually felt good and I've been able to sort of rally and get through it. But the other times it's right on the edge of like that pleasure pain place where it's, any further and it's going to be really painful and it's, you know, tolerable. And so I wanted to know, you know, what do I do with that? Do we just keep getting like bigger butt toys? We should all be GGG. Good giving in game. Good in bed, giving, willing to, you know, do for someone else something that gives them pleasure, even if it's not on our top 10 list or even if it's something we could take or leave. And game for anything, just like up for things, fun, somebody who says yes uh, and doesn't scrunch their nose up. But, you know, GGG isn't a suicide pack for your ass either. Um, it sounds like you've given it the college try, uh, and it's just not working for you. It may be that his dick is too thick. It may be that even if his dick were a pencil, it still wouldn't work for you. There's some people who just don't like the feeling of the dick slamming around in and out of their ass. Um, I don't understand those people. Uh, I think there's a lot of people out there who claim to be those people and just haven't given it the old college try. But it sounds like you've given it the old college try and it just hasn't worked out. Um, You're right. The last line of uh, approach, the last tack, the last thing you can try is to gradually up the size of the butt toys. Find some butt toys that are exactly the same girth as your husband's cock and get the intermediate ones. Get everything that take you from the size of the butt toys you're at now to the size of his dick. 
and see if you can get there. You know, the the sphincters, the anus, terribly elastic. I bet if you, you know, perhaps after Thanksgiving, look down in the toilet, you may see a crap that's at least as big around as your husband's cock. It's happened to us all. I realize ladies are delicate flowers and they poop lace. Um, actually, they don't. Ladies are animals just like men and they poop poops. Uh, and some of your poops are big. And, you know, if something that big can go out, something that big can go in. It's just kind of a psychological hurdle that you have to get over. But not everybody can, not everybody does, not everybody should, not everyone must. And it could be that, you know, a little bit more experimenting, a little bit more playing around. You just have to write yourself down on the side of the column for ain't going to happen, but play ain't going to happen. And your husband will have to adjust. It's not like... You tried it once and made a face and gave up or said no, never, and never even gave it a try. You know, we have to, as sex partners, sometimes appreciate the effort that our partners made and then accept that certain things aren't going to happen for us over the course of our sex lives if we're going to be with this person. Sometimes people just aren't capable of some things uh, as much as they might like to be capable of some things that we enjoy. And we just have to roll with that. And the consolation prize for somebody who wishes they could but can't do butt sex is to stick his dick up in your crack, clamp your thighs around him as best you can, and let him hump you. It's called, you know, frittage, wet humping, I like to call it. Um, and it's, you know, it's no butt fucking, but it's pretty decent consolation prize. Uh, hi, Dan. How are you? I'm a 30-year-old straight woman. I just recently started dating a 41-year-old. He's a wonderful, amazing, kind funny, smart, all the good things you want in a boyfriend. So we've been dating for about a month and a half. Everything is great. We've already upgraded to boyfriend-girlfriend status. We've had sex. We've met each other's friends. We have a great time together. All is good in the world. Uh, there's no real problem with the relationship, but there seems to be a problem with me. When we're apart, I miss him terribly. I know that sounds dumb as hell to say, oh, I miss him. Do I have a problem? But it's a little more than that. It's almost if not exactly like a separation anxiety of some sort. And give you a quick background of my life story. Um, I think I have a serious abandonment issues because most of my life, whenever anyone got close or anyone close to me, they either ditch me or betray me or do some fucked up shit to me. And this is from any and all prior affairs that came before this relationship, dating all the way back to childhood. You know? And I know, break up the violins because who doesn't have a fucked up childhood? I get it, I know. But I dealt with it fine, you know, I, I do cool, interesting things, I have a great career, I have a great set of friends, you know, I, uh, you know, pretty much, I, you know, I have a really great life, I think, you know. But the footnote to all that is, uh, you know, I've kind of accustomed myself to doing a lot of things on my own, you know, I'm very independent. I live alone, I work alone, I eat alone, I do most of my shit alone, and it's been fine and dandy so far, you know. But now, you know, I have someone in my home, in my bed, in, in my space, uh, I wake up with someone, you know, I there's I play with someone, I laugh and hug and love and kiss and interact and you know, when he's gone I ache and feel like crying because there's no longer anyone to hug and kiss and love and laugh and eat with, you know. Any words of wisdom? Uh we tried to call you back, couldn't reach you because I had a follow up. I wanted you to define fucked up shit. Anybody I've ever gotten close to did some fucked up shit to me, dot dot dot. And you had to chuck him out of your life. And it sounds like from your description, there's nobody left in your life until this guy came along. No friends, no family, no exes you still hang out with. You eat alone, you go to movies alone, you sleep alone, you live alone, 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 alone. 
which makes you the common denominator in all those uh, fractured, fucked up relationships. Now, I don't want to tell you that the fucked up shit that happened to you wasn't fucked up or shit or up or whatever. But when I think about my relationships over the long course of my life, everyone who's important to me, everyone who is a part of my life, who I see a lot, the dude I wake up next to every morning, all of these people have done fucked up shit to me that I have forgiven them for, just as they have forgiven me for the fucked up shit I did or have done and will do to them. Uh, that's part of, you know, being in a relationship. You know, you don't want your bar set so low on what fucked up shit is that requires you to no longer see anyone that you wind up having no one in your life. You know, there's fucked up shit that we none of us should tolerate. None of us should put up with, it. you know, an abusive relationship, uh, someone who's toxic or constantly undermining you or just isn't a good and giving friend who has a reciprocal attitude about being there for you when you're there for them. There's fucked up shit we shouldn't put up with. But if you've defined, you know, what rises to the level of fucked up shit in such a way that there's no one left in your life at all, it makes me wonder about you and uh, what's wrong with you, not what's wrong with everyone else on earth. Now, this wonderful, kind, amazing boyfriend of yours that you're having separation anxiety about is your boyfriend. He's not your therapist. These issues I think you should be discussing uh, with a therapist. I ain't your therapist either. I'm just some crazy faggot with a podcast. Uh, So I would urge you to discuss your abandonment issues, but also uh, your fucked up shit setting with a therapist who can give you a little bit of outside perspective on whether your definition of fucked up shit is reasonable and rational or self-defeating. And it sounds to me like it might be self-defeating. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle, including a great selection of toys, lingerie, and movies. 10 million customers love the quality, the fast, and discreet shipping, and the 100% satisfaction guarantee. Visit adamandeve.com today and receive 50% off most any item of your choice, plus a free gift with a purchase of $17 or more. That's adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hello, Dan. A couple of years ago, I uh, basically came out to and told my boyfriend that uh, I'm bisexual. I hadn't told him because I found out that uh, telling people you're bisexual was pretty much the nail in the coffin for any type of uh, dating scene. And after I told him I was bisexual, he freaked out, pretty much lost it, and he hasn't been willing to touch or do anything with me ever since. Now, I know the first thing you think of is, well, dump him, because, you know, that's generally the advice you give, and to be honest, I agree with you. The problem is, a lot of my life is tied into this person now. We've been in a relationship for 10 years. Uh, Most of my friends left me when they found out I was dating another man, so it was kind of a... I know how this story ends is how I would put it. If I leave him, I think most of my friends are going to side with him and I'm going to have to start over again. And I just, I can't do that right now. I mean, <laughs> I've, kind of, I've, kind of, uh, I've kind of grown accustomed to what I have. So I don't know. Is there something else I can do to taper things off or to, I don't know. Is there, is there a way to uh, turn a person's sex drive down without screwing them up anywhere else? You say you've grown accustomed to what you have. What have you got? You've got a, a boyfriend who two years after the big reveal is still so angry 
about your deceit, which is what it was, your deceit, uh, perhaps even your sexual identity, that he cannot have sex with you. How are you guys processing this? How are, when you discuss it, what does he say? Is there any resolution coming? Um, tried to call you back too. People are leaving callback numbers, just not callback numbers where anyone can be reached. Um, that matters. It, it, it doesn't sound like there's been any progress uh, since the big reveal. And if there's not going to be any progress, if there's not going to be any forward motion, you can't live the way you're living now for the rest of your lives, sleeping next to a man who's so furious that you want to eat pussy every once in a while too, or think about pussy every once in a while, that he doesn't want to touch you. Now, jumping way back to the issue of whether gay guys will date bi guys, I know plenty of gay guys that will date bi guys. I know plenty of gay guys that are not interested in dating bisexual guys. You know who I've always thought perhaps bisexual guys might want to look to as good potential long-term partners who could totally understand where they're coming from? Other bisexual guys. I know it sounds crazy because bisexuals like to talk about how mean the monosexuals are because the straight people are afraid of them and don't want to date them and the gay people are intolerant, which is just so colossally insulting because they weren't tolerant. Waka, waka, waka. Um, and, and we hear this over and over and over again from the bisexuals. They're the most picked upon because the straight people are uncomfortable with bisexuality, don't want to date bisexuals. The gay people, same deal. And yet nobody ever seems to land at maybe bisexuals should fuck each other. How about that? So if you're worried about being judged for being bisexual, date other bisexuals who aren't going to judge you for being bisexual. There are other bi guys on the planet. You are not the only one. And there are bi women on the planet. According to bisexual people, everybody is primarily mostly bisexual. There's way more of you than there are of us. Homos. So date each other. Now... I don't know how you go about extracting yourself from this relationship, but it sounds like you're pretty well and thoroughly extracted now. And the lesson you should take as you move forward is you have new relationships is not to put all your eggs in one basket, to maintain your friendships because relationships sometimes fail and you don't want all your friendships and your whole world and whole life to revolve, revolve exclusively around this one person who may walk out on you one day or who you may walk out on one day. And the other thing you should take forward is to be honest with people. It could just be that your boyfriend, you know, 24 months after you told him the truth, is just mad that you lied to him and deceived him for eight fucking years before you told him this thing that he probably had a right to know going in. All right? So, have other friends when you have your next relationship and be honest with the next person you, with whom you have a relationship and consider, I know it sounds crazy, but consider dating other bi guys. Hi, Dan. This is Tex. I'm calling from Chicago. Um, I'm a 24-year-old straight female, and I just sort of got into, I guess I'll call it a relationship with a very recently engaged bisexual cross-dressing father. Um, I don't really know what to do about the whole situation, uh, it's very recent, I mean, well, sort of recently, just, it gets more every time we hang out. And, um, he's basically indicated to me that he thinks we're in a relationship. And I'm not sure I want that, but he also has told me that he has been seeing this guy on the side. Or, not on the side, because I know, but additionally. So, 
I don't know if it's something that I should just really not get involved in. If maybe it's just a little too wild for me, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I should be the better person in this situation and just get out and say, you need to figure this shit out. And you know, maybe let me know when you have, or like, I mean, I'm very attracted to him and I like him a lot. And is it okay if I just go in knowing that I might come out of it getting hurt? So I don't know. I'm just kind of curious. First follow-up question. So I'm a little bit confused about this cast, the cast of characters here. Your dating guy is a bisexual cross-dressing dad. Yeah. And he was... He has one kid. And, and and he's engaged to someone else. Um, well, he's not anymore. That's an update. He That's, I guess, done. And his ex-fiance took his son back to where they're originally from. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of out of the picture, I guess, now at this point. So a bisexual and... cross-dressing deadbeat dad. No longer engaged. Free and clear. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> he has a boyfriend too. Yeah, he well, he's dating some another guy. Um, so I mean, basically, I don't think that he's capable of something casual. I think he's a little bit more into the whole situation with me than maybe I am. I don't really know. Um, later, but, later in the in your call, you say maybe you should tell him that you need to figure this shit out. Right. It sounds like he's got his shit figured out. He's a bisexual, cross-dressing, uh, not interested necessarily in monogamy, certainly not marriage, uh, and not interested in being full-time dad. Dude, who's got a boyfriend and a girlfriend, and that sounds like what he wants. So the question is what you need to figure out, the shit you need to figure out, which is whether you want to be one of this guy's partners, plural. Right. Is that what right. you want? Right. I mean, I don't know. All his shit's on the table. All his shit is figured and sorted and laid out in front of you. It doesn't sound like he's hiding anything. Right. Well, I guess my question, or one of my million questions, um, is is it like when I know that he's more invested in this right now, is it fair for me to just kind of be like, I don't know, or should I just like get out of something that I feel like he's taking a lot more seriously than I'm capable of right now? Well, if he wants a commitment that you're not capable of giving, yeah, you, that's generally a signal that you should end it, just that so you're not being cruel. If you're not interested in anything long-term with this dude for whatever reason, setting aside the he's got a boyfriend and he's wearing panties and he's got an ex-fiancé and a kid in another city, setting all that aside, if you're not interested in him in the way he's interested in you, the respectful thing to do is to end it. Right. So he can find somebody who is as interested in him as he is in her or him or them. Right, I guess, yeah. It's just but a you big old I, mean, I think I, do I detect that the problem is you're afraid that if you reject him, he's going to think that you're a cross-dressing, bisexual, phobic lady? Um, no, I don't think so. Because I don't feel that way. I mean, like, I've been very upfront that this is very different from any situation I've ever been in. So, I mean, and I've, he's been very, I mean, I've been upfront about that, and he's been, he doesn't seem to be in denial about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I guess I just, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm just con- confused and just kind of like all over the place about 
my responsibilities and my, you know, like things, my responsibilities in the situation. Do you like Like it? what? I do. But I mean, I'm also just like all his, you know, shit aside, I'm just, I mean, I just am much more slower to get to know people and put myself out there in general. Mm-hmm. And so I guess like there's, I mean, maybe that's part of it too. And he's coming on really strong. Yes. Which he could be yeah. doing if he was a totally heterosexual, only ever wore men's right. underwear, exactly. didn't have a boyfriend person. He could still exactly. be making it as uncomfortable as he right. is right now. So, right. So, like, I guess I just don't know if I'm, like, saying, like, putting more on the bizarreness of the situation. Like, that's what's making me uncomfortable when really, like, maybe it's just me being uncomfortable in this type of situation. You want to separate the two in this sort of a situation. You want to, like, look inside and say, well, am I uncomfortable right. with doing this thing X that would bother me no matter who does it? Or is it right. not helping that he's doing this thing X and he's a cross-dressing cocksucker as well? Right. <laughs> oh, my. I'm, what do you want in yeah. a guy? What are you um, attracted to? I, apparently him. <laughs> but, I mean, other, I mean, also since then, like, I mean, I also even just yesterday met this other guy who, like, is the complete opposite of him, basically. And you're into this and, other guy, too? Yeah. But, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, I feel like if he can, I mean, obviously, like, this other guy that he's dating is pretty different from me. So, I mean, I guess it's not that weird that I'm into now this other completely guy. But I still do like this guy and care about him. But I just, I worry that you anything know, between us is always going to be loaded. And so much ambivalence early in a relationship <laughs> with someone that it is going right. to be a complicated matter to be in relationship with. Not right. to be biphobic, not to be cross-dresser phobic. The guy's got a lot of baggage. There's going to be a lot of balls to keep in the air, sometimes literally, right? <laughs> literally and figuratively. If you date him, and it doesn't sound like you're as into him as you would need to be to do all that. Right. And if other guys are pulling your interest, true. you might want to run off and check out those other right. guys. And you can still tell them, I like you, I care about you, uh, I want to, you know, help you try on clothes, but I don't want to date. Because right. I bet he could use all the friends he could get. He's in, in, right. a, in a new city and yeah. finding his way yeah. out of this relationship. He'd be a fool to throw you over the side as a friend. Right. That's but true. I just don't hear it in your voice. I just don't hear what you sometimes hear, which is people say, oh, my God, you know, I'm dating this person. They're, they're amazing. They're wonderful. They have all this, this, this new sort of horizon opening up for me sexually right. because they're into X, Y, and Z, which I never thought I would be into, but I love that person so much that I'm willing to go to X, Y, and Z, and actually X, Y, and Z are looking kind of hot right now because that person's so hot. I don't hear any of that in your voice. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, you're right. <laughs> Which I know. I mean, I feel like if I heard myself calling you right now, I think I was the dumbest person alive, and like the answer would be so obvious. I got to say things out loud before you realize. I know. I think I think it'll be once I hear it back, and I'm just like, wow, I'm an asshole. No, you're not an asshole. You're not an asshole. Um, <laughs> oh my luck. God, why? Good luck with everything. All right, all right, thanks, Dan. Bye. Hi, Dan. I just finished listening to episode 99, where you made the comment that children are wedges between spouses. And so the relationship needs to be really strong in order to endure the strains that children can often put on it. And like most of what you say, I totally agree. So here's my question. Why do smart, logical people who know that children are often something that a relationship needs to survive, like yourself, have children?
my husband and I have a really great relationship. Um, we've been married for a year, together for almost seven years. And although we aren't thinking about having children in the immediate future, we often talk about how down the road it might be something that we want to do. The thing is, is that we don't fall into the camp of people who think that kids are going to bond us or fix us or even entertain us on a Friday night. And we are realistic in considering that having children may even have a negative impact on our relationship. So Dan, if it ain't broke, why bother having children? Of course, no one that we know who actually has children would ever admit that they would be happier if they had chosen not to. So I'm really dying to hear your point of view on this one. Why do people decide to take on this challenge if married life is going really great? How do you decide to just go for it? And how will my husband and I know that having children is the right decision for our life and not just some, oh, I guess it's time, society-fueled choice? Kids are like heroin. A little heroin addiction. When it's bad, you've never been so miserable. But when it's good, you've never been so high. That's how I've always felt about it. Um, I'm not going to answer this question. I'm going to throw this out there to all the Savage Lovecast listeners who've, uh, who are in solid, good relationships and were before, but are now in solid, good relationships where they have kids. And why you made a decision, whether you regret the decision, whether it destroyed your life. Or whether the reason you decided to have kids was because you had a good, solid foundation. And even though children place strains on relationships, uh, you decided to go ahead and have that kid anyway. Probably in part because you had a good, solid foundation and your relationship could endure and survive the strains that children place on a relationship. So Savage Lovecast listeners who have kids, who made the decision... Call and uh, give us your feelings, and we will uh, pack them into an upcoming show and answer this woman's question. Hi, Dan. Uh, Find me last week when I was listening to your podcast, uh, number 99. I was listening to a question and finally was thinking this one thing that I've always loved about Dan, he's not doing, and I'm so upset about this. Perhaps I can finally call. And then you actually, um, at the end, did the thing that I think is great. And that thing is um, that whenever you have advised couples who are considering relationships with any degree of openness. Um, You have always been very good about urging them, if they have children, to really consider that as a factor in how they handle themselves in these uh, outside relationships or how it affects their marriage in terms of their children. Um, I am 30 years old, or will be in a few weeks, and my parents had an open marriage, which was more open on my father's side than my mother's. Um, And unfortunately, my father specifically was extremely indiscreet about this um, from the time that I was an adolescent and my brothers were as young as eight. Uh, And we were never really told what was going on. We were just sort of confronted with the fact that my father was sleeping with other women and we didn't really understand it. And it had a really terrible effect on my relationship specifically with my father um, and led us on speaking for years, and now I've kind of gotten over myself and uh, realized he's always all I ever have. So anyway, um, I just want to tell you that I think it's wonderful that you always make sure to tell these people um, who can perhaps be a little self-absorbed sometimes that they should think about their kids. Not that they shouldn't have open relationships or any kind of relationship that they want to or need to have, but that they should use discretion when it comes to their children because really, really there are enough, uh, you know, 
men and women with daddy issues running around and it's this kind of thing that causes it. Um, and it really does have an effect. Well, thanks very much for the feedback. I do get a little grief about that sometimes because I tell people in open relationships uh, that there are things that their children probably have a right not to know, probably not quite yet. And I think it can be terribly unfair to burden a child with the no, the idea that their parents are seeing with and sleeping with other people only because that can make a kid feel like their home life is uh, – not just about their home life or is is inherently unstable or mom and dad uh, may take off with these other partners at some point. And mom and dad may be convinced that that is never going to happen and they have a totally solid commitment to each other as primary partners and an open relationship. But I don't think little kids can handle that, can understand that and can process that the way older kids or adults can or neighbors or friends or say your sister if she finds out that you're banging a friend of hers uh, like the caller earlier in the show. Hi, Dan Savage. Uh, my wife and I um, actually don't have an issue with our marriage. It is great. Uh, but we do have an issue in that um, we are exploring open relationships, and we started online dating recently. And everyone always masks part of their face or something in order to have like a body shot but not be recognizable. Well, even still, we found a picture of someone that we know. And it's specifically... Um, a friend of my sister. And so my wife and I are figuring, or want your help to figure out, should we contact them or not? I mean, they're attractive people and we wouldn't mind talking to them, but we don't want them to feel nervous about A, being recognized, or B, I definitely don't want us getting back to my sister in any way. So if you have suggestions or help, I would love it. Okay, so I listened to your call. If you definitely don't want your sister to ever find out that you and your wife have an open relationship or you're swinging, do not contact these people. Yeah. Because secrets don't keep. I mean, I, I think the chance of them blabbing to your sister are probably pretty small because most people involved in swinging are really discreet and they don't even want their like close friends to know necessarily. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's at least a 5% chance, maybe a 10% chance that it could slip out. And what if you and, you know, this friend of your sister's and her husband and your wife all hit it off and you end up spending more and more time together? What do you tell the sister then about why your relationship took off or how you guys, I mean, you have to invent stories and waka, waka, waka. But what I wanted to ask you is calling, what's so bad about your sister finding out? Um, um, well, I mean, so I'm, I'm the eldest child and I had this kind of rough thing getting married with my family because I, I really didn't do the traditional wedding thing that my family wanted mm -hmm. and my sister did so she's really tight with my parents and and the the whole nine about you know how how you know sanctity of marriage and that kind of thing so and you're I, already the black sheep and if it got back <laughs> to the family that you and your wife were married but not monogamous that could even that would blacken you further right and right. you're concerned and so, about that I'm 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 a little bit I I I do feel like I um I should do the right thing by my family at least you know to, at least you know from appearances sake. <laughs> <laughs> well then then you should definitely run screaming from this woman. On okay. the other hand, <laughs> when it comes to swinging and open relationships, the hardest thing to establish really is trust. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you contact mm-hmm. people that you know Boo about and they don't know you from Adam, that can be a bit dicier. You know, one of the things that I've seen work for my, my heterosexual friends who are swingers is the establishment of sort of a web of connections. You know, one or two or three degrees of separation creates a comfort level because, you know, if you're friends with my friends who are friends with those people, that means there's a there's a line of people who are vouching for you sort of along the way. Mm-hmm. You're not an unknown quantity. And there's some potential ability to hold everybody accountable mm-hmm. in those situations. It's not like you're you can, you know, blow blow into their life and then blow out and behave as badly as you want to without there being uh, any way for them to hold you socially accountable, not legally accountable or anything. But, you know, if you blow into somebody's life and you're a total asshole and they're friends of friends, they're going to talk to your friends about what assholes you were. And that's going to be present, in, you know, in your mind when you're messing around. You have to be a little bit on your best behavior so you don't screw yourself out of this new relationship but also fuck up your other relationships. And that is one reason to actually think about contacting this woman because you're sort of vouched for in a way. You're a friend of her, you know, a friend. Mm-hmm. And that goes, that helps in establishing yeah. a comfort level and a trust level that allows people to take the risks that swingers all take with each other, right? Right. I mean, one of the but bigger you things. But you can't that, do it if, no. you're, if, if your top priority is it never getting back to, to mom and dad at the ranch, that the black sheep is blacker than they thought. <laughs> well, our, our, our kind of, I mean, that's definitely a, a, a major thing that's present. I'm just trying to weigh that against. You know, is it, I mean, it, I know that they would be cool people to talk to about it. If nothing else, it would it would probably be kind of a good laugh. <laughs> so. Well, you can also initiate conversations with them and feel them out with it before outing yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be that you would have a conversation with them and then realize that you weren't a match for whatever reason and then never have to come out to your sister's friend about who she was actually talking to. Mm-hmm. And it could well, Go ahead. Oh, no, well, I mean... The, the funny thing is, on this site, you can, like, kind of hot list them, and they'll get, like, this notification. It doesn't say anything other than, oh, you were added by this person. And so we didn't add them, but they added us. So it's just like, as a matter It sounds you know. like you're sorely tempted. <laughs> I am, yeah. Not th- there's no reward without risk. Right. You may run off and find some other people to do this with, another couple to swing with, and it may get back to mom and dad anyway. Because yeah, it's very email yeah. that you leave open on a computer because of gossip, because they saw you in a restaurant, because you go to a swingers party and there are friends of your parents there or your parents are there. <laughs> right. Oh all you've got to say to your parents or your sister, if it ever comes up, is it's none of your business. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah. I'm, there's definitely a lot to. Think I give about. you useless advice. The first, first t- half the talk, I was like, "Don't do it, don't do it." Second half, I'm like, "Do it." You know you wanna. Come on, do it. Yeah, there's definitely an aspect of that, and so right. That's it's it's definitely more to think What's about. What's the worst that could happen if the whole family finds out that you were banging your sister's friend and her husband? What's the worst that could happen? Are you a Rockefeller? Uh, Are you gonna get cut off? No, no, I'm I'm actually in a in a pretty good spot. Fuck them um, then. <laughs> Videotape the thing and send it to your parents. <laughs> okay, Dan, that sounds that sounds super. We well, I might have actually to. didn't mean that last thing. <laughs> I take that back. Everything else is operative, not the videotaping and send it to your parents. Videotape okay. it and send it to me. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's a deal. You got it, Dan. Talk to you later. Thanks.
Hi, Dan. I'm a 17-year-old female, and I'm straight, and I'm calling because I have a question. My question is, I'm wondering if um, masturbating by hand, if you are still a virgin, if you haven't. The thing is, um, let me give you a little bit of my history. Okay, I've been close to a couple of guys, and we've gotten close to doing it, but every time we do, I kind of freak out because I'm not sure I'm ready for it, and I'm, like, terrified of getting pregnant or... Um, really, I'm not sure if they're the right guys, losing my virginity, so on and so forth. So I'm wondering, but here's the catch. Okay, I I really like to masturbate by hand, so I'm wondering if I'm technically still a virgin or if I lost my virginity by doing this. Are you still a virgin, or have there been any developments since you recorded that? No, it's pretty much still the same. <laughs> um, so I wanted to tell you you're doing the right thing by not going ahead with the guys that you, you know, your gut is telling you that this isn't the one, this isn't the time, I'm not ready, and you're listening to, to your gut. That's exactly the right thing to do. Uh-huh. Okay? That's so helpful. And it's a good idea to be scared of getting pregnant because it can really screw up your life. Look at Bristol Palin. <laughs> right. You, know, you don't want to wind up on stage at the next Republican National Convention. It's harrowing. Exactly. Yeah, that's uh, my worst fear. Uh, there are effective forms of birth control that you should be investigating now, before you become sexually active, you should go to Planned Parenthood's website. You should read about your options. The, okay. The pill, uh, Norplan, IUDs. Go and read about your options, okay? And if you get carried away and, you know, you lose your virginity and you didn't use a condom um, and, you're, and you're afraid of getting pregnant, there's Plan B, which is the morning after birth control pill, Okay. Okay, but my understanding was that that was only available if you claim, like, as a rape victim or no, something that is like not, that. that is not true. It depends on where you live, but go to Planned Parenthood's website. You'll find the information. It's available over-the-counter in many places now without a okay. doctor's prescription, but you got to take it within 72 hours. That's just if something goes wrong. You're not using condoms and you're not and right. you're carried away in the moment, which can happen when you're 17 years old. Um, now, as to whether you're a virgin or not, it depends on how you define virginity. Uh, if you define it as you have a hymen, mm -hmm. uh, there are w girls whose hymens break for, n for you know, no reason. You know, they rode a horse too hard. They slid down a banister too hard. They masturbate by inserting their own hands into their vagina, right? And you may have mm -hmm. broken your own hymen. That doesn't mean you're not a virgin. Right. Any oh, more okay. than a guy well, who strokes himself off isn't a virgin anymore. You're still a virgin until you have intercourse with someone. And then there are degrees of virginity. You know, there are degrees of sexual intimacy and intercourse, which make it complicated. You know, so let's say you've given 10,000 blowjobs. Are you mm -hmm. a virgin? No. Well, I wouldn't think so. You know, like there's, and, and you know, lesbians, there are lesbians who do nothing but eat pussy. Right. All their lives. Are they not virgins just because they've been never, never been vaginally penetrated by a penis? Well, I don't think so. I think if you're Ellen DeGeneres by this point, we should think you're probably not a virgin anymore, even if you're <laughs> with a dude, right? Right. So, and that's something to think about when you're becoming sexually intimate with these guys that you're thinking about or considering, is perhaps you should tell them at the outset, you know, I'm not up for vaginal intercourse yet, but let's explore oral sex and, and, and mutual masturbation together. And if they are willing and able to do those things with you in a, you know, respectful, fun, pleasurable manner and not pressure you into having vaginal intercourse before you decide you're ready, maybe they are then the one that you should 
think about losing your virginity to. If he's a good guy about oral and a good guy about mutual masturbation, probably be a good guy about vaginal intercourse, too, when you decide you're ready. Right. Um, another question that I have was a friend of mine told me that um, if you're on your period and you have sex, you can't get pregnant. Is that true or false? That, that is false. Okay. <laughs> Once again, you know, go to Planned Parenthood's web website. They also have a website called Scarlet Teen, where you can get questions like these answered and, and read through archives where the sort of, like, I heard from my friend who told me this, is this true, things are debunked. Okay. Okay? It's not something you want to take a chance on, even if it's you're less likely to become pregnant during your period. Right. You don't want to take the chance because the consequences are so severe. You want to use birth control. Okay. Thanks so much. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question for a future show, please leave a callback number and uh, try to keep your question under a minute or two. Me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast and the popovers. MySpace.com slash the popovers are here with a little outro music for us. Thanks very much, everybody. Talk to you again next week.